Welcome to today's episode of The Dream in Code Podcast with discussions on software and web development, technology, and IT trends. Here is your host, Dan Delamarski. This is Dreaming Code Podcast, episode 12, and today I'm talking to Ashley Mars about her job at Microsoft and Microsoft's Imagine Cup. So I'm Ashley Myers. I graduated with my bachelor's in May from DePaul, and this is DePaul with a W, not L. So mm-hmm. not the one that people in the Midwest know from Chicago, it's the one in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. <laughs> um, and, and I say W for winter. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, so I graduated with a degree in computer science, and now I Microsoft. <laughs> How did you get your position at Microsoft? So it was something that was completely unexpected for me. I was bound and determined to return to my hometown of Fort Wayne in Indiana and work there. But I began to have some contact with Microsoft about, at this point, I'm going to say three years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, They're really good about sponsoring women in computer science conferences, uh, students in general. So I met some employees at a couple of the conferences I'd attended, and so they were kind of like I was aware of their presence. They weren't like that company that was in the sky that was huge and yeah. they had some contact with this huge monstrous company. But when I, I participated in their software development contest for students and after the first U.S. finals that I attended, a recruiter reached out to me at my university. That's basically where that started. <laughs> so uh, what exactly are you doing at Microsoft? I am a software development engineer in test, otherwise known as an estet, otherwise known as a test, ester, just various names. My job is there there are for every developer at Microsoft there is a test. The reason there is a need for this position is the software has been developed over for word 20, 25 years. So that's a lot of lots and lots of code that has to be supported. And so they need to write code to test their code. And that's my job. So basically, is it like unit tests and that kind of stuff? So actually, unit tests are, um, it depends on the team. The job of a tester is one that is very hard to pin down. Um, the company employs 90,000 people. And so from team to team, the testers do very different stuff. And so for our team, unit tests are done by the developers. We actually write automation that does things from the UI testing to testing APIs. Have you ever thought that you will be actually uh, be working on a uh, test team instead of just a development team? No. <laughs> um, testing is kind of a weird position because most Computer science programs do not, I've, I've never had a, um, a class on how to test or one that focused on it. I mean, it was, you know, kind of, you know, test-driven development was kind of talked about. And most of my coworkers, when you ask any of them, like, so have you, did you ever do testing before you started? Nope, is generally the answer. <laughs> so yeah, I was, I was not expecting it, but I, when I was interviewing, when I was doing like the phone screen with Microsoft and then subsequent um, conversations I had, I kind of learned about the position and the stuff that goes involved with it. And you just really have to think about basically how to break the software. And that, that's like what we're supposed to do. How do we break it? And it's kind of a fun problem to think about. Was it easy for you to adapt to this new like corporate environment? There's a big team, I'm pretty sure, right? 
Well, okay, so actually, that's an interesting thing. So all the companies that I had interned with previously were, were much smaller, one smaller developer teams, because two of my jobs were development teams in companies that weren't software development. Um, one was with a used car company, <laughs> and the other one was with a healthcare system. And in those cases, there were 12 to 20 of us in general. And then the, another, when I worked at a consultant firm, that consultant firm only employed 30 to 40 people, I think. The teams weren't that big, right? So it was like 12 to 20 people in general, developers. So my team, like there's 20 testers. And so my team is still about the same size. But the whole corporate culture, now that's something that it's, it's very interesting. And it's like, you, you always have the red tape. So there was many trainings that I had to go to through corporate compliance and learning about LCA, which is the lawyers at Microsoft, mm -hmm. um, and the, the things that you like can use them for as resources. They teach us to use them as resources. So it was a interesting learning to understand how to use, all, like how to navigate, I guess is the better word. To so in this case, what would you say is the most interesting part about your job that probably you like the most about being a uh, software developer engineer in test? My favorite part, and I guess I kind of like a challenge, as a tester, we have to kind of sometimes in the process, because we're in the planning phase of our product, we need to kind of look at the specs that we're developing and say like, well, have we thought about this? Because when we test it, like this is going to be a problem. And so since like the, the there's a position called a, a PM, which I believe stands for project manager program. I, I'm not always sure what the P stands for, um, but basically they're the person that is responsible for writing the spec. Since they're the one that has to, you know, meet the deadline, sometimes they kind of drive it. But you have to have that team effort, and so you have to, they have to work with both the devs and the tests. And so, like, for us, we have to, to say, like, you know, get our word in there. Because the end goal is you, you want to be thinking about the customer. And sometimes, and I, I've heard that tests are kind of informally or formally responsible for that, like, thinking about, like, the pain points of the customer. So you said you got into Microsoft basically with the help of a software development contest, which is Imagine Cup, right? Yes. When did you decide to start working on a uh, on an Imagine Cup project? Like, hey, I need to work on this project, and Imagine Cup is cool. What drove you to this decision? Okay, so um, my team was Mango Bunnies, one word, mm -hmm. um, with the B capitalized, and the we went to the U.S. finals in 2009 and 2010, and the first year we did it, we were actually, our, our goal was one of our teammates had um, transferred schools because my university is um, small enough that we only have a computer science program, and she's focused on web development, mm -hmm. but we wanted to still hang out with her, <laughs> and um, with this, you know, we got this contest and we had to meet once a week, so that was like one side of it. The other side of it was we it's a chance to have a, like a you, you have your projects at school, right? Yeah. And they're, they're like small projects and like you do them and then you basically toss them aside. This was something that we had to, you had to come up with a plan, then you had to build an alpha and then you had to iterate on that and build a beta. But, I mean, it's a real world project. Well, you mentioned a real world project. So what was your project? This year we did a project that was aimed towards women who are traveling through areas that they're either unfamiliar with or that are known to be unsafe. And so it was a Windows mobile application because at the time we were developing the tools hadn't 
yet been released for Windows Phone, which is unfortunate. <laughs> and the idea is that once someone enters an unsafe area, based on data both from um, crowdsourced information and official reports, it will notify the person that, you know, hey, this is an unsafe area. You know, be one, be aware of your surroundings. Here's some alternate choices, say like a taxi if you are walking. And just, it was generally like as a reminder to just be aware of your surroundings. Camera was a project that where we were focusing on AIDS patients, HIV. Uh, the adherence rates for people with AIDS for their medication um, needs to be near 90%, and the average is closer to 70, um, which obviously that virus mutates and then the drugs that were previously used to fight it are no longer um, effective. And so you don't, you want you want to keep on top of your medication so that the medication you're taking doesn't become obsolete. And so that was the problem that we were focusing on there. Talking about these two projects, now, uh, could you tell me how you came up with the idea behind each of them? So camera was one that a teammate, her mother had done some work in Africa. So basically she was kind of, they were having a conversation about some of the problems that she saw there. And it, it basically, that's where it kind of started from. Um, and then the project that we did this year with uh, the uh, the one with women, we, we called that project Light Alert, was one we, we've gone to women in computing conferences and it was kind of a problem that was discussed there and that was where that idea started from. How did you pick the people to work on your project? I mean, you had a team and you had a, uh, I think a partner, right? Um, yeah, we were, um, in 2009 we were a team of three. Um, in 2010, we were a team of two because our member, our third member had graduated. We were basically, we had all started in the same computer science one course, and we had kind of taken the same types of, we stayed in the same CS courses that we were going through our major. So we had worked on projects previously. Um, so we kind of already knew and already felt out each other's strengths and weaknesses and knew, like, we basically were a really well-balanced group. We had the person that was the planner, organizer. Um, we had the person that was the more, I guess, creative. She was very good at design work, and then I was more of the person who had a little bit more experience doing actual development work. So, how did you organize collaboration on the project? Well, because when there's a team, probably you didn't have the chance to always be in the same place. No, yeah, and like we said, we were most teams at the Imagine Cup are teams that are based at schools, but we're a team where one of our members did attend a different university, and so we were only able to sync up once a week, and that was if that week wasn't because we were in school at the time, and it, that was a big challenge was balancing schoolwork. So what we did early on, it was, it, we basically just said, like, this is what I'm responsible for, this is what you're responsible for, and this is what you're responsible for. And then as needed, like if there was information we needed from the other person, then we would communicate that. But we basically had an environment where we just trusted that the other team members were going to deliver on their responsibilities. That's how we just were able to not, you know, keep worrying about like who's going to do what, blah blah blah. We just set it up and trusted that it was it was going to get completed. Imagine Cop allows you to create a team or to work alone. So what do you think is better for, and what kind of projects maybe is it better to work alone or in a team? So our project had both the mobile side and the uh, web front end for both projects. So for us, we we definitely needed a team of people. And I, I found it very helpful to also have someone who aided helping both our development. Like if we needed some research done, we needed like we it would be a lot more helpful if two people were researching on it. But otherwise, 
um, she's the planner, but she was able to take care of, because something that caught us off guard in the first year we did Imagine Cup is the importance that's placed on being able to explain why it's not just a good application, but that it's a good business idea. That's something that as developers, I mean, we were all computer science majors, we hadn't really been forced to do before. So it was good to have that person because conveniently, um, one of our members had been an econ major before deciding to be a CS major. And so she had kind of dabbled into that area of thought before. And so it wasn't completely new to her. But for me, it was, I mean, it was a very big challenge to me because I don't think of business stuff very much. But it's something that in like the real world, you have to have. Also, there's one thing about Imagine Cup that they allow you to have uh, mentors and advisors. Do you, did you have any? So we were the odd ducks out. <laughs> um, we didn't have a mentor in 2009. And then in 2010, our teammate that had graduated um, moved into the role of mentor, which was a challenge for her to figure to learn about the difference in being on the team and being a mentor to the team. So I, I, I think for mo- if you can get a mentor who understands how to do that role well, that is definitely an advantage. Um, especially for those who have mentors who have have done the basically have done that type of work of you know working on a development project and and thinking about it from a business point of view. Having a mentor does that mean that the mentor will help the team develop their product, or the mentor will just advise like, hey, you need to kind of split this module in two parts, or you need to ship it that way, or something like that? How exactly yeah. the mentor work? The mentor does not contribute at all to the code. They're there to advise on some of those problems that you were talking about, like how to handle collaboration, um, having a team, and, and definitely advising on setting like deadlines and figuring out how, because most people don't go through, most students don't go through the whole process of the development phase, then alpha, and then iterating on that. They can be a great resource to figuring out how to actually do that rather than just talk about it in a theoretical sense. Mm. So you, you mentioned deadlines. Was it hard for your team to fit in the designated deadlines? I would say that we were definitely a deadline-oriented team. Because like I said, it was incredibly difficult to balance this contest. And I don't want to discourage anyone from doing this on this note. Um, because we were, I mean, you can do it. Clearly, many students are doing it. But sometimes schoolwork just has to come first. I mean, clearly your grades or, you know, your degree gets you yeah. your eventual actual job. So what we what we did was we would set aside... So the first year, the, the project was structured a little bit differently where there wasn't a fall and spring round. It was throughout the whole school year. And so that, that was the year that we really met once a week. And we were able... It was okay for some weeks to kind of basically slack off on the Imagine Cup work. Um, but then in 2010, they've changed it now. There's a fall round and a spring round. And so you've got a, a shorter time period. And so what we found worked best for us is we would set aside, we would look at our schedules and figure out what were the lighter school times. And we would basically set aside that entire weekend or a, a full day to just dedicate, like, this is what we're going to focus on and we're not going to worry about other things. And that worked out really well. And so, that, so that way we weren't having to worry about it throughout the week we just had like a time set aside for it and then the rest of the time we can worry about school that being said what are some skills that will help people who want to participate in imagine cup succeed well you mentioned about like time management because it's an important skill 
And as you mentioned, like to fit on the deadline, it's really important to have specific times when you can collaborate with your team and stuff. But what are some other skills that are really important for this contest? So since the contest does require making use of Microsoft technologies, you have to be willing to and able to pick up on um, new technologies. Because we had never developed a mobile application before our first project. And so that was that took some time on our part to figure out like what what is involved in this and learning I mean even just how to install we've never had we never had to install we'd worked with Visual Studio but it had never installed an SDK before and the Windows Mobile SDK is a very um, different one because it also has the emulator and we had never worked with any of that before um, Microsoft was really really good they are I mean they want people to participate and they don't want it to be like this thing that you just can't even comprehend doing. So they 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 have um, Microsoft ADEs, which are academic developer evangelists. Mm -hmm. They are there to help you kind of get over that hump of like, oh my gosh, like I have no idea what I'm doing. So like having a willingness to tackle on something that you've never done before is, is definitely needed. And it, it's, it's something that sounds scary, but it, it's, I mean, technology, we're constantly having stuff, right? You mentioned the mobile platform. You had to learn a lot about this new uh, new environment for you, kind of. But did you learn, like, generally a lot of new stuff with the help of Imagine Cup, besides the mobile platform, of course? Um, yeah, because I, I had done, I had worked, um, my internships just happened to be ones where the companies were using Microsoft technologies, and so I had exposure to some of it. I hadn't had too much exposure to... And this isn't so much learning new technology, but learning about the resources that are there. Because, I mean, you've got MSDN, but they have tons of tutorials and um, videos and virtual labs, just a lot of stuff to give you a boost. And so, like, I knew some of that was there. I didn't realize the ex to the extent. And then also, like, as a bonus for students, like, kids on my campus aren't aware or weren't aware of DreamSpark, which offers free software to students and just stuff like that. I guess, yeah, it really goes back to not just team collaboration, but like in a development sense, like actually having to code with other people. Because I had done that in class, but not in a real, like, not where it actually, like, I felt mattered. <laughs> now, interesting, like coding with other people, did you have like any conflicts? Like, hey, I think this part needs to be coded this way. And someone else is saying like, uh, not really. And um, Since we had split up the work, so separately, we didn't run into that on our team. There were a couple of times, but with the deadline, it was kind of like, well, you know, maybe we should do the project in this way or this way. And we just basically, like, within about 10 minutes, we would have to come to a decision because we only had X amount of time to work on this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the, the time, the deadline stuff kind of helped us there. <laughs> now, besides Imagine Cop basically paving the road to a job, did Imagine Cop affect you personally in any in any way i would say so i am definitely um before the imagine cup i had um worked at a healthcare system and i was definitely interested in how technology can help people but since all i had done is healthcare i hadn't really thought in other like in other um big problem areas and so this has definitely exposed me to how technology can help in other areas and now i feel like i'm a lot more aware because you hear about things like teach for america peace corps Things like this, and now I'm kind of seeing um, there's there's a new program that I believe just started this year 
uh, called Code for America, which I think is an amazing program where people are literally taking two years out of their lives to just go and work on technical projects. Isn't that like you can build websites for communities and... Yeah, well, it's just, I, I believe they focus on government, helping local government build applications that can make them more efficient. And so to, to pro be able to provide them, taking people who are really, really good at technology and having them work on these problems, I think is such such an important thing to have happen. And so like after, after doing the Imagine Cup, I'm like noticing things like that. There's also a program called, it's RHOK, um, Random Hacks of Kindness. That is happening December 4th and 5th in Chicago, Seattle. I forget the other uh, other cities in the U.S., but I believe it's a worldwide event. And so basically what they're doing is having people spend that weekend and they have random... It, it's very, very similar to the Imagine Cup now that I think about it because they're doing things like what type of technology could help situations like the earthquake in Haiti, the flood in Pakistan like disaster type stuff like so that we can better handle those situations. Um, another one that's similar is called, I can't remember quite what it's called, like a, a give weekend or something. And they do a similar thing, but we're there, they're helping nonprofits. That one has been going on for a few years. It's a very organized program. They, they have app, uh, nonprofits like apply. They say we have these projects and then the people that volunteer, they, they specifically put them together in teams, kind of like how my Imagine Cup team had, like the developer, the web developer, and the planner. They put people in those types of teams so that the team is really strong and can get a lot of work done over a short period of time. Well, do you think Imagine Cup really helps solve the problems that are outlined? Because when you when you sign up for Imagine Cup, there's this, uh, I think, the Millennium Goal List. Yeah. And, uh, do you think it really helps solve those problems with the projects students develop? This is kind of a mixed answer. So in the United States, our presence in the Imagine Cup, we haven't done well in the world finals. The projects that I hear about from other countries, so many of them have become actual companies. So they are actually doing real work that has a long lasting effect. My hope, like this year, um, the world finals for the Imagine Cup are in the US. I'm like crossing my fingers that more people are participating because the more people you have, the better the projects have to be to win. So it's kind of a yes and a no. I believe it can. In the U.S., we're not quite there yet. There are a couple of the projects that I've heard, that, um, specifically two projects that I know of that have come out of the last four years. There may be more that have or are in the process of becoming companies. So mm -hmm. there is that potential. So that being said, what are some long-term benefits of Imagine Cup? Well, you mentioned the exposure to new technologies, the exposure to new fields where we can apply that knowledge. But besides that, what are some other benefits? Uh, something I haven't mentioned is at the finals, they bring in um, government officials, people who work in the fields that um, the projects are based around. Um, and basically, you can meet a lot of very powerful people who, who are very interested in these ideas and helping you. And so you can, if you have the interest to continue your project, reach out to these contacts. And I mean, building your network in this way is like such a good thing. So that's mm. definitely something that is another awesome benefit. What would be your final recommendations for people who just started with Imagine Cup, who started this year, who maybe uh, participated in the fall round, which the deadline was five days ago, and I think the judging is in progress right now. 
I'll focus on the people who may have not made it through this round mm -hmm. and also people who haven't done it yet, um, but may have thought about it in this in the fall round, but just didn't really do it. I, I just want to reiterate that it's not something that is too complicated or hard of a task to complete. Like I said, we just spent like we picked a couple weekends and we banged out the stuff that got us through the, you know, that those, that first round. I mean, that first round, all they want is a business plan, like maybe uh, a wireframe of your project, right? Yeah. Um, and then the next round, I mean, an, an alpha prototype, it doesn't have to be fully functional. You just have to show to them that, you know, if you can talk about how you are going to solve this technically and mm -hmm. have it begun, that's acceptable. Like you don't, ha you do not on any level need to complete or, or submit a completed project. So I just, I want to emphasize that it is something that anyone can do. I mean, our team had, we when we got in, like I said, when we started, it was really, we were just gonna like be hanging out more. Had had not done anything of this magnitude on our own outside of internships and, and schoolwork. Anyone can do it. So basically all you have to do is go to imaginecup.us or .com, sign up for a competition and work on a business plan, and then the second round, just submit a prototype. Yeah. Well, isn't it like when you go to the finals, you need to provide like a beta version of it, like the, a almost fully working? Yeah, they project. say I believe eighty percent functional. That that is something that when it like you need you need to have a really good plan and to have an an idea that is I mean one a good idea, but one that's well thought and you you've considered. The potential issues and um, challenges of it, because when you're when you go to the finals, you go in front of a panel of judges and you have to present your plan. And then, and it, it sounds very intimidating because it's just your team in a room with four judges. But I always found it to be an like like a, one before you're going in, it's like oh my gosh, how's this gonna go? Like I like what? ah, they're gonna rip us apart, right? But it's it's a conversation. I mean, it's just it's a business conversation that they they look at it, they appreciate what you've done, they have an outside perspective. Like, have you thought about it this way? And in both years, we have we were so, and this is partly why I feel like having a mentor could help greatly. We were very much on a single path, and at each finals, like the judges basically looked at it from the side and mm -hmm. showed this whole new different thing that was not what we came in with. And it, like we would come out the next day when we would do our final presentation, which is in front of an audience and the other teams, we, we would basically feel like we have the completely different project. Um, but it, it's really just a matter of a paradigm shift of how you're looking at it. So to sum it all up, was it worth it? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I, it's, it's so crazy. And that's why I like, I try to like tell people like, it's really not as much work as you think it is. Like you are perfectly capable of it because I mean it was it's kind of hard when you go back um, to fellow students and you're like oh my gosh like you go on like I've been able to talk to you for almost an hour about all this stuff that we did it sounds like so much so it's really hard to like tell people like no like you can do it because like you want you can do all that <laughs> so encouraging all the students that are listening now uh, ImagineCup.com or .us, uh, depending on the region, right? .us yeah. for United yeah, States. Yeah, I don't know the URL for. I, I know the people um, outside the U.S. can go to .com and it should have a link to your where you're supposed to do it. Some countries do use .com as their main point, mm. but U.S. is .us. Yeah, 
So there are competitions for different uh, categories, software design. Yes, I yeah, I didn't mention that. There's the software design. Game development is another big one nowadays. Uh, they also have things like video photography, art. The IT challenge, I believe, has been going on, and that's more of a... I never participated in that, but from what I see, it's more of a kind of like a quiz type thing. More like um, general computer knowledge? Yeah, yeah. But it, it's more advanced. It's like, uh, I think it's like Microsoft Active Directory and that kind of stuff. Possibly. I'm not sure. I haven't participated in that one. But yeah, there's a bunch of different categories for all sorts of people interested in technology. And I think right now on ImagineCup.com, they have a uh, Windows Phone 7 competition. Oh, yeah, that has been a big one. That one... Um, I, I don't I don't know what it's called this year. Last year it was called Rockstar. <laughs> uh -huh. But yeah, they are definitely looking for awesome Windows Phone applications. Okay. So this was Ashley Myers from Microsoft, and we talked about her job at Microsoft and Imagine Cup. Well, thank you very much, Ashley. It was a very nice discussion, and I hope to talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you. It's time to answer some Dreaming Code questions asked in a thread I created yesterday. And the first question comes from the user named Magaz. And the question is, what is this forum leader badge about and who gets awarded them? Forum leaders are basically forum leaders. They're the most active people in a specific area on the website. For example, it could be .NET or Java. We even have forum leaders in Caffeine Launch. I believe there's one right now at Super Sloth. But anyway, we award them based on the activity. So we look for the most active people in a specific area. So if someone is active in HTML form, for example, we award this badge. If we see that the user brings a lot of value to the community, tries to moderate it, tries to report spam posts or malicious posts from that form. So form leaders have limited moderating privileges. Of course, they're not even close to the moderating privileges that administrators and moderators have. But to some extent, they can moderate and clean up their specific area. They're only active in a specific limited form, like a subform, basically. The next question comes from the same member, and it is asking, what's Rumiko going to do for its 10th anniversary? Well, it's next year on February 28th. So personally, I don't know. What's going to go on February 28, 2011? But I guess we'll have a contest and we'll announce this on the website pretty soon. At least, I guess, a month before the actual event. So there will be really something interesting and we'll try to involve as many members as possible because it's a that's an important date. It's 10 years for a website that got lots of members. So our current stats show that we have 4 140,000 registered members. We have more than a million replies. We have two, more than 200,000 topics. We have more than 5,000 snippets and more than 1,500 tutorials. So that's pretty big number. So we hope to do something big on this date. So the next question is regarding the new features that will be integrated in Dreaming Code. And it sounds like this. Is there any more forum features that will be included in the near future? If so, what are they? Well, there are a lot of features that we plan on putting in Dreaming Code, and Chris 
or Skyhawk is currently collaborating with some developers, and he himself is actually working on some features for this website. We are planning to have better performance, to have better social integration, so you can share the content from this website. We're, at the same time, we're trying to keep it all simple. And as of new features that are built on top of the existing form, we are planning to change the snippet system, to change the way you communicate with other members on this website. There's actually a lot of plans, and it takes time to develop them. So probably you should wait till we have a test release, a test server set up for Dimico, where you can actually test those features, because there will be different features, and maybe some of them that I'm going to talk right now about are not even going to be in the final release. So I don't want to promise anything right now, because I'm not directly involved in development. But there are certainly new features coming out, and most of them will be targeting performance and the way you participate in the community. And we finally have a question about badges. I was expecting a question to be asked. We had the discussion when the badges were released, and the question is, an update regarding the badges underneath member reputations, are we going to see a change in design and naming? Well, actually we had this discussion in the blog post when those were announced, and we are looking for a better design because the current design was pushed as a test release, basically, so we want to see how it kind of looks. Was the user feedback going to be on those? And we actually got a lot of feedback on that. So we are open for new design suggestions, even for naming suggestions. So go ahead and post your suggestions and site feedback. We have a designated section in a graphics design, I think, where you can submit your graphic design suggestions for new badges. And we have a bunch of them submitted already, so we are kind of thinking about replacing them with the ex with a new design that was submitted by some member. But if you have a better idea, at least that's what you think, then go ahead and submit it in the same topic, and we're going to review it, and we're going to let you know what we're going to do with that. Same applies to naming, so we're open for suggestions on this topic. The next question is regarding T-shirts, and it is asking this. Is Remy Code t-shirts still off for grabs for members with 500 plus posts? If so, do you know when the next delivery is? Well, I'm not responsible for the delivery, so I cannot really tell you when the next delivery is. All I know is if you want your t-shirt and you have your 500 posts, go ahead and send a private message to Skyhawk133. That's Chris, the webmaster of this community. And he will probably send you a confirmation when your t-shirt is going to be there. So that's right now the only way you can get Dreaming Code t-shirts for 500 plus posts. The last question for today comes from the username HeyoMen1 and he's asking if there will be a mobile version of Dreaming Code and every time he goes on his iPod the gray is dull. Well, all I can say that the gray is dull because that is the basic uh, low-fee format that you can see and currently it's the best one because it loads fast on mobile devices, we cannot expect all mobile devices to be really uh, performant when it comes to a lot of graphics and all that kind of stuff. So there's also an application, assuming that you have an iPod Touch, there's an application called Tapatalk that is free if you want to read a forum, and Dreaming Code is supported by that application. So you can download it from the App Store, install it, and you can read Dreaming Code posts without a dull gray. It's just going to be right in the app, and it's going to be, I believe, 
in a structured list manner. You can read topics, posts, replies, everything that is connected to Dreaming Code without any problems. If you have an Android device, for those who have Android devices, we have a member who developed a Android application, an Android Dreaming Code application, so you can download it as well. And all the links are in the show notes. You can try them. And that is pretty much the only way you have right now to view Dreaming Code on a mobile device. Of course, you can view it as a regular website, but that is going to really consume some of your bandwidth allocations. 